Good evening, Michigan. This is the first real live that we have via our Twitch channel. Uh, Facebook has decided to, well, according to them, they have moved us down in everybody's news feed for the next 90 days. But if you take a look, and I've taken a deep look, the analytics are completely plummeted. They're all but completely taking me off everybody's timeline over there so we finally had to bite the bullet and make another move as we did from youtube because youtube still even right now has us on our 90 day ban over there but it's like we told all you guys before we're never going to stop doing this we don't care if we have to go down to an am radio station this is what we're going to keep doing is getting you guys the info you need to keep fighting back against these people who want to shut us down, who want to keep us silent, and it's not going to happen. We're going to let them know that it's not going to happen. So, tonight's episode, usually we touch on um, things on a bigger scale, but tonight we have a big day upcoming on Tuesday in Michigan. We have our elections coming. There's a lot of things to be decided upon. Our governor, secretary of state, attorney general, many House of Representative seats, and there's three very important ballot proposals that are coming up in this election. And there's a lot of things that we all have to do to be involved with this process as well. And tonight, we'd like to go over these ballot proposals with you, one, two, and three, so you guys can all have a more informed decision on what you're exactly going to be voting on on Tuesday. And also remember, you guys, even if you have voted absentee ballot, there's always the opportunity to go in and spoil your ballot on election day. You can choose to spoil your ballot, and therefore the ballot you're casting there at the polling place will be your actual ballot that matters, that counts for the election and for your voice to be heard. <coughs> so tonight we're going to be going through these for you guys. We're going to bring these up on screen for you. And we're going to start off right off the bat with Ballot Proposal 1 for you guys. And we're going to get rid of the logo here. Alright, that's a little bit better. So, if you guys um, can't read this, please do let me know in the comment section. We will be implementing our call line tonight as well, where you guys will be able to actually dial in with us and ask questions and get answers to things that you want to know live on air. Before we've used our comment section, we've tried upgrading a little bit so you guys can have a more direct approach to getting a hold of us, and we hope it'll work out for us tonight and furthermore into the future. So, what is Proposal 1 on our ballot this year exactly? As you can see here, and I will go through this nice and slowly so that anybody that wants to see this video uh, before Tuesday can scroll through and be able to see these as well. You can also find them on, let me check here for you guys. You can go right to uh, michigan.gov and get these as a PDF for the ballot proposals. So it says it would amend the state constitution to change its term limit provisions for state legislators. Currently, a person cannot be elected, sorry, 
more than three times as a state representative and more than two times as a state senator. The proposal would instead provide a person that a person cannot be elected as a state legislator for terms or partial terms, totally more than 12 years, regardless of whether that time is served in the House or in the Senate. The proposal also would require certain state elected officials to file an annual financial disclosure report that describes such things as the officials' assets, liabilities, sources of income, gifts from lobbyists, and positions held. Finally, the proposal would indirectly repeal the law that now governs the assignment of seats in the House of Representatives. So, a couple things on that. You're looking at that Okay, they can totally cannot serve or be elected term or partial term totally more than 12 years, regardless of whether that time is served in the House or in the Senate. So currently, right now, you have that a person can serve no more than three times as a state representative, so that's totally in six years, and more no more than two times as a state senator. So that's another totaling, I believe, of state senator terms are four years. So that's eight. Let's see if it explains it a little bit further for us down here, guys. We get them guesses in, guys. The term of office for a state representative is two years, and for a senator is four years. So the most a person now can serve in both houses combined is 14 years. Six in the House, three two-year terms, and eight years in the Senate, two four-year terms. Although the proposal's maximum total of 12 years is less than the current 14-year maximum, the limits under the proposal would allow a legislator to serve for a longer time in a single house than they can now. For example, under the proposal's 12-year total term limit, a person could serve six two-year terms in the house where currently the limit is only three, or three four-year terms in the Senate where currently the limit is only two. So, and that's where the problem that people are having with this proposal is coming in at is do we how many how many elected officials are actually doing that yeah i mean you do have some that do the uh we'll call it the step process of congressmen uh or how sorry um house of representatives senator and then they might go on to the federal level but that's to me, that's kind of like how many people go from high school to college to go on to actually get a doctorate. You know, it, most people, look at Nancy Pelosi, for example, come in, sit in one position for however long their heart desires, um, on a federal level anyway, and they sit in that position. And I would see the same thing being true on a state level as well. It would allow a, um, we'll say, possibly corrupt person or somebody who's helping um, with certain things that they shouldn't be doing to um, cement themselves further, whether that be in the House of Representatives or in the Senate. And I think that that's the 
problem that people are having with this is it would allow a representative to serve, as it says, the full 12 years in one or the other. Now, would the person do that? That's the more likely outcome than somebody is going to do the step-in-step process. Um, let's see what else this has to say for us down here tonight. Uh, exception. The proposal includes an exception to allow a person elected as a state senator in 2022 to be elected to that office the number of times allowed at the, at the time the person became a candidate. That is, as far as serving in the Senate goes, they would still be subject to current limits and not those under the proposal. So it's saying that um, the people under this current election that's about to be held on Tuesday would not be subject to the um, changes under the proposal. They would stay as they are status quo until the next election cycle. Um, this exception would apply to legislators who have served three two-year house terms and one four-year senate term and are elected in 2022 to a second four-year term so it's kind of like your grandfathered in if you were already sitting under one term then you 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 came in under the skin of your teeth but to anybody else if uh, if you're a freshman coming in in 2022 um this is not going to apply to you. You are going to have to wait until you win your next election and you come in again. Then you um, are going to, I would imagine, fall then under this proposal. I, I would assume if this passes tomorrow, or sorry, Tuesday, um, that that would be something that they would have to clean up in a sense especially seeing how this is literally making amendments to our Michigan Constitution. Uh, this is a big decision that um, needs to be researched by everybody. Um, it's like I always tell everybody, you have the right to vote, but you also have the responsibility of voting. And you wouldn't just go and get in a car the first time you ever drove a car and just drive halfway across the country. You go you would get used to driving you would take some classes you would learn how to drive and then you would figure out and get your driver's license and plan your trip and so on and so forth so i believe that our vote on tuesday is much more important than our driver's license and i would hope that everybody would to an extent agree on that so let's try to make sure that we're educated before we go to the polls on tuesday shall we um background term limits in 1992, about 59% of Michigan voters approved Proposal B, which added Michigan's current term limits to the state constitution. Um, side note, I believe it or not, Michigan is one of the only states that has a full-time legislator. Most states, a good majority of states, have um, a legislator that all things that fall under them are... Um, only enacted when they are in session and they are in session very often um, according to the national conference of state legislators michigan is one of 15 state with legislative term limits and one of five alongside california missouri nevada and oklahoma with lifetime limits 
In those states, a legislator who reaches the specified limit cannot serve cannot ever serve in that office again. Term limits in the 10 other states are consecutive limits, which require a legislator not serve in the same office after reaching the threshold number of consecutive terms or years, but allow them to serve again in that office after being away for a specified time. Michigan's lifetime limits, six years in the House, eight in the Senate, are among the most restrictive in the nation. And this is a good portion of why this is um, under uh, uh, a proposal on the ballot this year. They're wanting to loosen that a little bit. Um, it is worth noting that because Michigan has lifetime limits, the changes that would newly allow legislators to serve up to 12 years in a single house could, in effect, uh, they should use a little bit better grammar there, in a single house could, in effect, the eligibility for office. Of past legislators, in addition to current and future ones, in particular former legislators who reached the current three-term, six-year limit in the House of Representatives and did not serve in the Senate or served only one term there, would be newly eligible under the proposal to serve again in the House. Similarly, and any former state senators who reached the current two-year two-term, eight-year Senate limit and did not serve in the House would be newly eligible under the proposal to serve one additional Senate term. So it's giving you all the ins and outs of things that they're going to use for people to be able to continue in these seats, in these spots, be elected, move up. Um, and then it also goes into financial financial disclosure Voters for Transparency and Term Limits Initiative Petition. Proposal 22-1 is similar but not identical to a 2022 initiative petition sponsored by a group called Voters for Transparency and Term Limits. The Board of State Canvassers approved the form and summary of that petition on March 23, 2022 to be placed on the ballot. The petition would have had to have garnered at least 425,059 valid signatures and it had been submitted to the Board of State Canvassers by July 11, 2022, after the legislator introduced and adopted House Joint Resolution R on May 10, 2022. Those signature efforts were suspended. So, somewhere along the line, in layman's terms anyway, somebody knew somebody that picked this up in the legislator, and this got expedited, because you're talking about the efforts on May 10th were suspended and this was put it put onto um into effect on let's see here it would have had to have been no um no later than September. Even under even whether going through the legislature. Okay, so it's not even going to say when, because it's saying that proposal twenty two dash one is similar but not identical to a twenty twenty two initiative sponsored by a group. So, 
then when did it, it's saying when there should have taken effect so when did this go through legislation and take effect uh we might have to look that up in a future episode for you guys i know we're getting pretty close to uh fat tuesday here but we will try that So, we will see. On August 30th, several individuals together filed a lawsuit in the Michigan Supreme Court asking the court to do the following. Declare the adopted ballot statement to be not true or impartial and direct the Board of, Can- Board of State Canvassers to approve a different one. Declare that the legislator does not have the authority to require that specific language be used on the ballot and declare the proposal itself invalid and direct that it not be submitted to voters as written because it deals with two subjects that are not necessarily related to one another, i.e. term limits and financial disclosures. So how can those two not be directly correlated to each other? Okay, but the Supreme Court issued an order denying the complaint on September 7th. That was close. September 7th, saying that the court is not persuaded that it should grant the requested relief. Uh, Fiscal impact. Proposal 22-1 would require additional administrative work hours from Department of State staff, so they're getting into the specifics of it when it's some clicks on a keyboard. Uh, Staff to develop the financial disclosure report from from form and compile and make the reports available online. Any potential additional staff costs would be dependent on whether existing staff could accommodate the report-related requirements of the proposal. There could be additional information technology develop, development costs depending on the manner in which the Department of State chooses to receive the electronic filings of the annual financial disclosure reports. Like I said, a few clicks of a keyboard um, and make them available online. Proposal 22-1 would have no fiscal impact on the other state government entities or on local units of government. Uh, correct, because that would all have to be handled at the state level. Remember, guys, they're using all this, they're, they're in my opinion, we'll say in my opinion, uh, they're putting all this in here to try to dress this up and make this look like, oh, we want shorter term. Why on earth? Think about that for a second, especially when you, when they're not stating uh, the sponsors at the bottom of this bill or the co-sponsors or anything, why would they want to give themselves shorter term limits? Why would they want more financial disclosure on what they're doing? It, it makes absolutely no sense. We have to think about this logically and we have to live in reality of why these things are out there and why they want these things to be voted on. Why are they leaving this up to us? Why isn't this, you know, any other process? So we're going to go back into this for you guys. So we're going to go over to ballot proposal two of 2022. And this one says at the top, promote the vote petition. Summary. Proposal 22-2 would amend Sections 4 and 7 of Article 2 of the State Constitution. Currently, Section 4 grants registered voters several specific 
rights, but generally authorizes the legislator to enact laws related to elections and voting protections. And Section 7 establishes the Board of State Canvassers. The proposal would retain all current language in these sections, but it would add new provisions regarding election certifications, audits, and the acceptance of donated election equipment. It would also enumerate the following rights. A fundamental right to vote, use of an early voting site up to nine days before an election day, counting of absentee ballots distributed to military personnel or those living overseas if properly completed and postmarked on or before election day, which, side note on that, I was just reading through our Constitution, I'll bring it up in a future episode too, I was just reading through our Constitution the other day, uh, that's already in there. If you are a military member serving overseas and your ballot is received, I don't know why that's been an issue or has been brought up as as an issue. That's already in our laws and um, everything. That If it is postmarked on or before election day, it's counted. Um, use of a photo ID or signed affidavit, uh, affidavit to verify voter identity. Um, that should just be plain, flat-out voter ID. Uh, placement on a permanent absentee voter list should not be allowed. Prepaid ballot postage and state-funded ballot tracking notification system so they can see where your ballot is at all times. Um, and access to ballot drop boxes, which ballot drop boxes, how can you not? You Now, this, all right, we'll say my opinion once again. You have 364 days in between two to four years. You have 364 days in a year to get stuff lined up to go and make a vote on one day of the year. Now, certain things and certain people, I I get it, I understand it. I know people, um, truckers, or uh, like we were just talking about, military members, or um, I have a few friends that work on oil rigs. They use the absentee ballot system. Those circumstances, I, I, I can definitely see this. But this mass, um, I, I, I see advertisements, use your absentee ballot to vote in person early. What, what, what is that? You fill out an absentee ballot and you take it back to your clerk so that you can technically vote in person early. Because you couldn't get the day off but i don't understand it like i said 364 days a year folks um but and it goes on to say a proposal to amend the state constitution to add provisions regarding elections recognize fundamental right to vote without harassing conduct um that's already a thing we're going to go through that and we're going to um give that to you guys here in a little bit as well under the actionable election day offenses uh, require military, uh, we already went through this, we just went through these, um, what it wants. Uh, fundamental right to vote for all registered and qualified voters. It would prohibit any law, rule, regulation, or other practice or procedure that would deny, abridge, and interfere with or unreasonably burden the right to vote. Once again, we're going to go through that here in a little bit. I'm going to give you guys that um, for your local sheriffs and your prosecuting attorneys. That's already taken care of under our current law. 
Uh, the proposal would also prohibit any harassing, threatening, or intimidating conduct that would have such an effect. That's already covered as well. Any Michigan citizen would bring a lawsuit in the circuit court or for the county where they live to enforce their rights under these provisions. Um, you know what? Let, let's just go over that. We're, we're going to go over that right now. Let me bring that up here for you guys. We're going to go over that right now. Okay. So. Violation of Michigan and federal election law relevant to election day. This is what already covers the um, fundamental right to vote, the harassment that they were just talking about, everything. Um, these are all the Michigan election laws, uh, the criminal penalties for them. Persons must not falsify, impersonate another person, or vote or attempt to vote under the name of another person. And these are all, um, I can get anybody, and I please encourage anybody to uh, reach out to me. Uh, you can message uh, me on Facebook. There's my page, Minds of Michigan, on Facebook. My page is still active, even though I can't go live from there anymore. Um, you can email me for this uh, sheet as well. All my information is still on my Minds of Michigan Facebook page. You can find it all over there. If you want this information, please reach out. I'll definitely, no problem, get it over to you. Um, let's scroll down a little bit here. Persons must not offer to vote or attempt to vote more than once at the same election. Persons shall not intentionally misrepresent themselves as an election official. Um, any officer or election board who shall prevent the presence of any such challenger um, this is dealing with election boards not letting challengers and not letting watchers at the polls, guys. This is the important stuff. This is what you pull out. Here, we're, go we're going to go back to the top for a second. Because under MCL 168.940 and 168.941, county prosecuting attorneys and law enforcement agencies have a duty to investigate alleged criminal violations of Michigan election law and inappropriate cases pursue appropriate enforcement action. These statutes read as follows. It is hereby made the duty of every prosecuting attorney whenever he shall receive credible information that any such offense has been committed to cause the same to be prosecuted. It is hereby made the duty of any police, sheriff, or peace officer present and having knowledge of any violation of any provisions of this act to forthwith institute criminal proceedings of the punishment of such offender. These are the things that not only your sheriff and prosecuting attorney are able to do, these are what they are bound by duty to do if any of these things are found to be going on or if you if you and now mind you if you truly believe these things are going on use these contact your sheriff contact your local police it, but use them wisely make sure that you really believe that there's something from this being violated before you try using these in a legal capacity um Persons must not attempt by any means of bribery, menace, or other corrupt means to influence a voter in giving his or her vote or to deter the voter from giving his or her vote. 
this comes back around to the threatening and coercion. This is uh, one of the reasons why we don't need uh, Prop 2 being even voted on. This is one of the reasons why you can vote a big fat no come Tuesday on Prop 2 because these things are already handled. These things are already taken care of. Our laws already take care of our overseas ballots. Um, our laws, as you can see right here, um, already take care of um, everything that's being talked about in Proposal 2. Uh, here's another big one. Persons may not be in possession of another person's absentee voter ballot unless the person is a, one, is a member of the voter's immediate family and has been asked by the voter to return the ballot, two, resides in the voter's household and has been asked by the voter to return the ballot, three, is responsible for handling mail but only during the course of his or her employment, or four, is an authorized election official. These are the only people that can be in possession of an absentee ballot in its transition from the voter to the Dropbox. Um, some more, per all poll watchers, public and media must remain in the marked off, quote, public area of the polling place. Persons shall not use video cameras, cell phone cameras, or video recording cameras, television or recording equipment in the polling place except at broadcast stations and credential media may permit to briefly film from public area. Um, challengers shall not approach voters or talk to voters for any reason. Challengers are pro prohibited from wearing, displaying, or saying anything that suggests or conveys that they are available to assist voters in any way or answer any questions that voters may have. Challengers shall not wear, display, a button, armband, vest, shirt, hat, or any similar item which identifies the organization he or she represents. Can't go in there with a big fat uh, elephant punching out a donkey on a t-shirt and being a poll watcher. You can't do it. Um, challengers shall not make challenges indiscriminately and without good cause. A challenger shall not handle poll books or interfere with or unduly delay the work of election inspectors. Um, challengers may be expelled from the polling place based on evidence of drinking alcoholic beverages or disorderly conduct. Election inspectors and other election officials on duty shall protect the challenger in the discharge of his or her duties. Challengers shall not threaten or intimidate a voter while the voter is entering in or leaving the polling place. Uh, paying individuals to register to vote or vote in elections where a federal candidate's name is on the ballot, preventing or impeding qualified voters from participating in elections that includes a federal candidate. The, now we're getting into um, U.S. code. These are federal rules and laws and regulations. Uh, multiple voting in a federal election, voting for individuals in a federal election who do not personally participate in the voting act attributed to them or impersonating voters. Intimidating voters through fiscal, through fiscal force in any election or through fiscal or economic intimidation in connection with registration to vote or voting in a federal election. Malfeasance, this is a very, very important one. Malfeasance conducted by election officials acting under color of law, such as diluting valid ballots with invalid ones, rendering false vote tabulations, or preventing valid voter registrations or votes from being given effect in any election. 
as well as in elections where federal candidates are on the ballot. Voting in federal election by anyone who is not a United States citizen. Um, providing false information, coercing an individual's name, address, or period of residence in order to register to vote or vote in a federal election. Um, causing the submission of voter registrations in any election or the submission of ballots in federal elections that are materially defective under applicable state law. These are all things um, effective October 19, 2020 to be exact. These are all things that you can not only hold our state government accountable for, you can hold your local government accountable for these as well. These are all things that, once again, under law that our sheriffs and our prosecuting attorneys are not just that, not just that they can do them it says right there that it is made the duty and if they fail to um fulfill their duties then they can be charged with their elective duty which carries a one-year prison sentence and up to a ten thousand dollar fine and i'm sure that none of them would like to deal with that either so let's just hope that we have a nice, safe, prosperous election day and we'll keep these laws in our back pockets. And once again, if anybody would like these, uh, feel free to ask. I encourage everybody to message me, text me, email me, whatever way you feel like contacting me um, to get a hold of these. Or you can look them up yourself. Um, I found them under actionable election day offenses would be the proper term to find them that's actionable election day offenses and you should be able to pop that right up so we are going to go over since we have basically made ballot proposal two null and void we are going to go over to the big one that is on everybody's mind right now it's what for it, even though it shouldn't be it is what's going to be deciding our election for our governor this coming um on tuesday it's the biggest issue that they see and that is going to be under proposal three the right to reproductive freedom now to clarify this for a lot of people um and there's actually a really good video out called i didn't know which is about proposal three um this is dealing with much more than pregnancy and abortion. Uh, it states right here, every individual, every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including but not limited to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. An individual's right to reproductive freedom shall not be denied, burdened, or infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest achieved by the least restrictive means. Notwithstanding the above, the state may regulate the provision of abortion care after fetal viability provided that in no circumstance shall the state prohibit an abortion that in the professional, professional judgment of an intending healthcare professional is medically indicated to protect the life or physical or mental health of the pregnant individual. Um, 
and a lot of this dealing with the because language is everything and it says every individual and that's where a big concern for people is because when especially when it comes to laws and things that are official and on the books language is everything and when you say every individual when you say every individual you open that you open pandora's box just a little bit you open it up just a little bit and you start letting some things out that you might not ever be able to put back in so we are going to take this opportunity for anybody who might be watching it seems like we have a couple people in here uh we are going to open up our call line for the first time in since we've been doing this show we've been wanting to do this for a while and we were trying to figure out the right way to get it set up you are the only participant in the conference yep i'm the only participant in the conference we're gonna see we're gonna see if we can change that a little bit um we're gonna get this number up here for you guys The number for you guys tonight is going to be 605 605-313-5485. And your access code on that is going to be 6922867. Put that nice and across the screen for you guys so you can see that so what does this mean for the people of Michigan when it comes to reproductive health care and the language that they choose to use with us that's the most concerning part for me because I've been doing this long enough I've seen enough I've read through enough bills and laws and uh, different constitutional amendments and USCs and you name it and language is everything and that's where the concern for me comes in with this is when you say every individual which I mean yes in essence everybody does have the physical control over their body I want to be very clear about that their body um, but when you say and you specifically state that every individual has a fundamental right. Like I said, that opens Pandora's box just a little bit for a lot of radical people to kick that sucker open the rest of the way. And I don't see that as necessarily a good thing. I don't see that as something that necessarily we want to be seen going on that we want to see happening because at the end of the day yeah we know that people have the control over what they do with their physical selves but where do we put that limit at what do we wh where do we draw that line at well we want to say that every individual does that include five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven, eight, 12, 13, 18? Where is that line at specifically? Where do we place that? 
And when you're dealing with matters such as this, things that are being voted on, things that are being written into law, I would see that as being the, um, the top issue with this because if anything, I think this is an example of go back to the drawing board and try it again, if anything. I think voting no on this on Tuesday, if anything at all, will say that to our government, go back and try it again, and hopefully we won't ever have to deal with this again. Um, but people need to be very clear on what Proposal 3 all entails exactly. Yes, a big portion of it is dealing with pregnancy and abortion and right to health care and things like that. Um, but at the same time, we have to actually look at what is being said, what is being talked about, what's being written, and decide if this is an example of go back and try it again. But there's one more thing that I'd like to talk about with you guys tonight because this will be the last opportunity that I have to speak with you before Tuesday gets here. And it's one of the most important things that we have to do, even as regular citizens, before Tuesday gets here. Even there's things that have to be prepared for. Um, if you guys would like, the number is still open tonight. We have the conference caller available. You're able to dial in right on your phone. Right on your phone. Pick up your phone. Dial 605 313 It's going to ask you for an access code, and that is going to be 692-2867. If you guys would like to be right here, live on air for all of Twitch and uh, in the future, Facebook and Rumble to see as well. You're more than welcome to join anytime. Feel free. But um, some things that have to be done before Tuesday here in Michigan is um, the the cheating didn't go away. Um, the people... Sorry about that, guys. Getting it back here for you. There we are. All right. But there are things that have to be done before Tuesday. Um, everybody knows where their local polling places are. I highly encourage all of you, before Tuesday even gets here, to go to these places. Um, you have every right as a member of the public, as a member of the citizenry, to be at these places, to be checking these Wi-Fi signals, to be um, checking on these ballot drop boxes, to be monitoring these things because of what we've seen happen before. Um, as far as inside of polling places, there are certain credentials that must be had and you have to meet certain criteria as we just seen even with media. Um, 
through certain laws that we have here in our state. But as far as public buildings, um, public sidewalks, there's a reason why those things are public. We all have access to them. Uh, so I highly encourage everybody leading up to Tuesday and Tuesday in Michigan, go to your polling places, check your Wi-Fi signals, figure out what's what, um, get some sort of monitoring going on of these polling places, who's coming, who's going, is there, uh, you know, random vehicles that are uh, repetitive, as we've seen at the TCF Center in 2020, watch these things. Even as average citizens, we don't have to be poll watchers. We don't have to be election workers. We don't have to be none of these things. It's great. Those things are wonderful. The higher up you go, the better. But it's not necessary for us to be vigilant and for us to be watching our state and to be watching our country. So if I have any advice for you guys before Tuesday gets here, like I said before, even if you have voted already, even if you have sent in your absentee ballot and you have voted already, you have every opportunity before Tuesday gets here to spoil your ballot as well and do it all over again. But do your research, guys. You guys are the only ones that know the candidates in your areas. Make sure you do your research. Make sure you know who these people are. Make sure you know who you're voting for before you just go flying into that, vo that voting booth on Tuesday. Because this is... Our decision. Uh, this is our decision. One way or another, at the end of the day, this is our decision. We, The only way we can fight back against this is the will of the people. And that's what we intend to do. But we're running a little short on time here tonight, guys. I have a couple other things that I have to get to that I have to get accomplished before the end of the night gets here, and I have to go to work in the morning, you know, like a regular blue-collar type of person. But this is just the start of our great Twitch journey, and it was great to um, any difficulties on my end were courtesy of my own fault and not the, uh, not the server like I usually have from Facebook. But it's been great being with you guys tonight. We'll see you next Sunday. And we'll see how everything went on Tuesday. But it's like I tell you guys all the time. And especially to the new Twitch family. When you're out there, make sure that you stay safe and you stay informed.